Episode 30. Can you believe it? Hmm. 30. What a number. In tennis, it represents the second point gained in a game. 30 is the atomic number of zinc. It's also used as hyphen 30 hyphen, indicating the end of a newspaper or broadcast story, a copy editor's typography notation. It's the number of days in the months of April, June, September and November, and in unusual cases, Mark, February. Once every four years. Correct. 30 also happens to be the total number of major and minor keys in Western tonal music, including enharmonic equivalents. The Pearl wedding anniversary is 30 years in marriage. It's the international dialing code for Greece. (laughs) (laughs) That's the best one. That's partridge. The house number of the gherkin, 30 St. Mary Axe. There are 30 tracks on the Beatles' White Album. It's a stage in young adulthood, 30. At 30, Jesus of Nazareth was baptised by John the Baptist at the beginning of his public ministry of teaching and healing. There did are 30... Did he make it to 30, he Jesus? Did, yeah. I, didn't oh, know. Yeah. I thought he died a young 30, man. as you say, in whole. 30. There are 30 uprights that formed the Sarsen Circle at Stonehenge. One of the rallying cries in the 1960s student protest movement was the slogan, don't trust anyone over 30. Judas betrayed Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. But in the words of the crazy girl from The Exorcist, fuck Jesus. Because today, whippets and flat caps is 30. Mark Flanagan, you're 30. John Wilkin, you lost against Wigan by 30 points to 10 oh, last week. all lining up. It's the amount of seconds I once lasted in bed, probably, when I was 30. In the words of the great philosopher David Brent, we're all in our 30s. Welcome <laughs> to episode 30. 30. 30. 30. 30. Episode 30. Any other 30s? Um, mm. Yes, there's lots, isn't there? There are, there, there really there are. are. But you covered, I think your list was covered, extensive. Yeah. Lots of people and in my school year are 30. Are they? School, yeah. Yeah. Mm. yeah, 30. What does it feel? What, did you do anything for your 30th? 30th? Got married. Didn't you? What an no, idiot. Yeah. That was a good 30th. Well, that was two days earlier, but yeah, I got married. Can't beat that. They're all downhill from here, Mark. <laughs> Trust me. They're all <laughs> Trust downhill. Trust John knows when you get got married 34, in January. 34. Like a month after. No, I meant birthdays, oh. not weddings. <laughs> what 30s you new 20s? Uh, oh. Ooh. I like it. Who was the drummer out of Blur? Um, can't think of it his name. With long hair. Yeah, who makes cheese. Alex. What? Somebody. Simmons, no, no Alex. That's that's rugby AM's present. No, no. Arctic Monkey, the, the drummer out of Blur. Anyway, he said in his thirties, Will's gonna Google it. <laughs> in the twenties, he's addicted to booze. No, he's he thir- said he celebrated his, 30s, his, his 30th, birthday with yes, his twentieth was with booze, thirtieth with drugs, and the fortieth with food. food. Dave Roundtree, <laughs> not Dave Roundtree. That's <laughs> not the man I'm talking he's about. He looks like he celebrated he his thirtieth with drugs. He's not talking about the drummer out of Stereophonics. No, 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 it was in Blur, but it wasn't the drummer. Oh, was it not? I know Al- the bass guy, bass. Alex. Yeah, mm. yeah, that's what I meant. <laughs> the bass <laughs> guy, the drummer, Alex. Alex. For anyone who Blur, yeah. just put, type in Blur Cheese, Alex, Alex James, Alex. Cheese. James. The first thing that comes up is Alex James Cheese. Cheese. Yeah, 
So his, his forties are all about cheese. If I get to my forties and they're all about cheese, you're in a good spot. What what was his stuff with cheese? Well, he makes and sells it. He makes and sells. He doesn't. I think he just endorses certain cheeses now. I listen to him <laughs> on Radio X, and I think this story about him just being like an artist artisan cheesemaker mm. was exaggerated somewhat. A cheesemonger, is it? He's, he's, a, he's a cheesemonger. He's... That's quite a, he just quite a fall from grace, isn't it? No. no. Whoa, 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 whoa. Well, no. No? No. I, th- I don't think there's anything greater than making something like that. Food that's enjoyed by people. It's quite a different lifestyle, isn't it? To but then what you've placed... sex, rock and roll, and <laughs> but, cheese. But therein lies a glimpse into your mindset, Will. Not... Alex James could be quite as content rolling out wheels of Wensleydale mm. as he was knocking out one of the 30 notes in the British sort of... Uh, tonal, tonal music scheme. scheme. <laughs> <laughs> There's a fellow that used to be on Corrie that does cheese as well now, isn't yeah. there? Yeah, oh, that's weird, isn't it? Because he does all the markets. The, the guy off Corrie. Just type in Coronation Street actor, <laughs> cheese. Who was, who was he married to? Gail Platt. Yeah, Martin Platt. Martin Platt. He makes cheese. Yeah, but he's on the markets in Manchester now. He's got his own little He's style. like, come and get your cheese. Take for a pen. Take for a pen. We've got some cheese. We've got your cheddars, your cheese, cheese strings, your E-dam. Cheese and chive. you got a bit of Wednesday dial. Yeah, he's just, it's embarrassing. He never seems to be busy. I always feel like going talking. He looks like he's had a fall from grace. Coronation Street's Sean Wilson takes up a career as a lecturer in cheese after decades of playing <laughs> Martin Platt. That's him. A lecturer... <laughs> A lecture you can't be a lecture in cheese. Wow. Not according like to I the Like I said, but if, if you are Alex James oh, the mirror. Oh, right. it must be true. The thing with Alex James is you think his 20s was booze, he was in a band, he was killing it. His 30s, he got involved in drugs, probably not so great Slippery part of his slope. life. Mm. Ooh, what brought him out of it? Food, cheese, yes. Oh my goodness. Class. I mean, this is, yeah, here he we go. He has it on crackers or toast. You can't have, no, you're obsessed with cheese on toast. It does make it in. Cheese should be eaten no. with a cracker and some sort of fruit. After a heavy night of alcohol, when you get in at one o'clock in the morning, there's nothing better than... I don't think Alex James was getting in at one in the morning, was it? alcohol up with some cheese on toast. Form, Cheddar cheese with a bit of Liam Perrin. Former Coronation Street star Sean Wilson has become a lecturer... Dot, 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 in cheese. Sean played Martin Platt for two decades in the soap before leaving to pursue cheese making. They set up the Saddleworth Cheese Company yes, that's it. in 2009, whose products Beautiful. are stocked in Asda, mm. and now makes an award-winning blue called Smelly Hapath. <laughs> Next year, Sean, 53, is returning to the school in Nantwich, Cheshire, where he learnt his trade as a lecturer in a bid to pass on his cheese expertise. Uh, there's some quotes from him here actually he reveals that at the request of uh, Resin Heath College I'll be returning to the class where it all started 10 years ago as the lecturer he also says that uh, he'll be hosting cheese making courses for all standards Sean appeared in Corey's Gail Platt's husband Martin between 1985 and 2005 at one point the chef who has worked in the Michelin starred restaurants thoroughly enjoyed his time on the cobble saying I used to have dinner parties and invite loads of the cast round and I'd cook food and give them cheese. Give them cheese. What's your favourite cheese, Will? Oh. What's your favourite? Come on. Quite like, quite like a, I quite like a blue. A blue cheese? A bit blue. of blue. Yeah, blue. Yeah. Really stinky. Mm. I like a crumbly Lancashire. Ooh, yeah, lovely. Yourself? Yeah, um... Ooh, is ricotta a cheese? Yeah, ricotta cheese, yeah. yeah. I, I, I was in... Yes, I was in... In Sicily, mm. and they have ricotta with everything, but it's insane mm. ricotta out there. Mm. Whereas it's not like watery white. Do you remember many years discharge. ago you, you were invited me on for dinner? <laughs> it was a bit like watery white discharge, isn't it? In Asda, 
but in in uh, Sicily, Sicily it's different. It's different. John yeah. invited me around for dinner one night a few years ago, and he said, "Oh, just if you can, just bring something for afters, maybe some." Um, dessert or some cheese so I brought a, a segment of Edam no he brought like about a five quid block of Edam Christ you know, it's like a, it's like a no double crackers. wedge no fig chutney that's, that's my worst cheese Edam yes. it doesn't taste anything no it's just like rubbery Dutch cheese rubbery rubber I like it pathetic well no you did well, you went, yeah. and you mm. put it all over my car didn't you well I didn't it nearly brought the windscreen put your cheese all over my car <laughs> oh, you, oh, you shit. dirty bugger <laughs> <laughs> yeah so how do we get onto cheese mm, feta oh, Alex like James feta. Alex, Alex James I like feta feta's one of my favourites feta's good isn't it mm. so you know we're on we know, you know we started recording what have we been up to chaps through week winning again you are um, winning again, aren't yeah, you? Played against Halifax at, uh, on that Sunday. Does it count? Resounding mm. results. Um, mm. And I wasn't sick. I didn't, didn't drink too much wine. What did you do? Oh. What did you guys get up to? <laughs> <laughs> what did you guys get up to? Played rugby, lost. But, you know, we have pers- we need perspective on these things. It's, you know, not all that bad. What, losing? Well, I thought Wigan played really well. They had a game plan, stuck to it. They executed it well. Um, I thought they, I thought they played really well, I and that's, there's no bad thing for us that we're going to have played well against us. Trust me. Did but Sean Wayne get enough dead bodies on the pitch? He <laughs> probably, yeah. I don't know. I thought he spoke about all that stuff happening, and then they played really smart. They didn't. They weren't physical or aggressive at all. Mm. They were just smart with the ball, moved the ball around a bit, you know. And, and I thought, they, I thought it was a really smart sort of game plan from then I'm, I'm nodding along like I, know, like I remember yeah, what happened no. but, but I don't no. why don't you remember well, well, what happened what, talk us through it well, were you at the game well I did go to the game uh, I went to the game with John's wife Fran uh, yeah. Fran Holsell friend of the podcast uh, Holsell Wilkin so no Wilkin just Wilkin from Wilkin it's Holsell yeah. isn't it no is it Eck? it's not Holsell it's Holsell being a tool Hall, she, it's has she changed the name not yet no but she is <laughs> but she's not Hal, she's uh, Holsell isn't she not Halsell Anyway, so I went to the game, with, well I actually went, so I met Fran in Manchester, city centre, about 3pm. Uh, so that's a keen start, isn't it? Yeah, but you know, we thought, well, we, we were going to get the train down, so uh, we thought, uh, let's give it sort of three, four o'clock, we, we met Mackie Mayer, Manchester, and uh, we'd had, we had three bottles of wine before we left Mackie Mayer, so it was punchy yeah. start to, th- to that, the that's to more, I'd say that's more than a punchy start yeah. three um, full bottles of we then wine. took a bottle of wine with us on the train yeah which you need for that 18 minute train trip it's from. a long journey Pops <laughs> parched by the time we got there <laughs> you, you took a bottle of wine on the train is that illegal this is my wife is that illegal but did you have wine glasses or did you drink through a straw or? Uh, no we took some paper cups with us oh nice so like a picnic really but without yeah. any food and um, we but, yeah we got to the we got to the stadium um, Fran said it kicked off at 8 it didn't kicked off at 7.45 so we were late uh, we missed the first 15 minutes so sorry mm. about that John I was just running around looking up at the stand thinking where, <laughs> where are, are they you? where are they where are, in the words they've of let, Delia Smith they've let me down I'm so emotional about this <laughs> I'm emotional about everything oh god they're not here but one thing uh, long story short one thing turned to another and is that the phrase one thing turned to, led another? to another one thing led to another and um, the next minute I know I'm in uh, the back of a Range Rover slash Land Rover uh, on the M62. Mm, yeah, so, well, so I finished the game, picked up these two idiots, Herbert, yeah. who obviously had a good afternoon. Very, that's fine. Got in the car after the game. I was, I was. Do you know what? I was down. Like you know, when you after a game that's been so poor, 
you're down in the dumps, you're feeling crap about everything. It was actually quite nice to be in a car with two people who'd been drinking all afternoon because everything's mm. funny. They were, uh, my, <laughs> Everything my wife, is awesome. My wife found a packet of cigarettes. Will and Fran were smoking yeah. cigarettes on I, the M6. I mean, I was, so you don't eat meat because it's bad for you? But I don't smoke either. Smoke I don't smoke. Yeah. I, I, haven't, I haven't, this is what was, this is, I mean, something happened to me. Something happened out there. Someone must have spiked me. Uh, no, was, no, no, they didn't. I was, no, I was they didn't. Smoking you cigarettes had a black on the M6. leather jacket on, black sunglasses, and you were asking me to play Nirvana songs on the M6, smoking a cigarette, going, oh, I'm addicted to cigarettes now. <laughs> I'm addicted to cigarettes. I'm addicted. I, I mean, I, I physically, I, I hate oh. smoking. I'd go out my way to tell people how much I hate smoking, but yeah. I'm there in the back of a Land Rover, listening to Nirvana and Crowded House, to be fair. Don't dream it's over. Um, smoking Marlboro Reds. Oh, yeah, I don't they're, know. Well they're done. Str- they're stronger. Very strong. I don't yeah, know. Very strong. So anyway, you had got two bo- three bottles at Mackie Mayer, one before the game. So that's two at four. the game. We had one each half, yeah. Two and then at two, the two at the game, so that's six. Yeah. And, and then two. there was not much happening in the car on the way home. Got back. Mm. Um, I had a glass of wine with my mum and dad, and Will and Fran had a glass of wine. Phil and Carol, yeah. yeah. Um, and then my dad, as a nightcap, uh, bear in mind he drove over from Hull to watch the game. He, he said, do you want a whiskey? Do you want a whiskey? Mm. Anybody? Anybody want a whiskey? And was Phil and Carol staying over? They were staying over. This course. is his party trick, isn't it? Yeah, don't drink whiskey with Phil Wilkin, mm-hmm. is the saying. Commonly held. Get that on a t-shirt. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so Will had a couple of little whiskeys with <laughs> my dad. I'd love that t-shirt. <laughs> Should we get that made? Don't yeah, just my dad. Whiskey, whiskey just, with, yeah. with Pip Wilkin. But in, you know, like, your country needs you, that guy. That'll yeah. be my dad on the yeah. front of it. Pointing, Pointing to a bottle of whiskey. To a bottle of whiskey. Um, and yeah, it didn't end well for, for William. Didn't, did it? So no. basically what happened, I mean, I don't, I don't remember any of this stage. You don't remember any no, of this? No, no, no. No, 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 no you were fine. You were being funny. You... Funny, hundred percent funny, or yeah, a no, bit re- very funny. Well. No, very funny. He's, he's being funny. How did uh, your mum and dad say it to him? Very, f- oh, my mum. They love me. Carol yeah, yeah. Me. Carol Slumped was like, "Oh, hey, get the posh by another whiskey. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> get it. Oh, go on, Phil, you've done him." <laughs> <laughs> it was, it was glad it's all wasn't good, it? We had a good chat about your school. Did we? It? Yeah, we did. Don't we had a good that. chat. No, we did have a good chat. Prince then, of Jordan. No, no, just had a good chat about like life going away so young. Which you told mm. us about, oh, yeah. which you don't Packed remember. Away. And then he after up? he opened up, we got just got inside Will's. I literally opened through up. his. We got through his shield of steel mm. into the inner core of Will Perry, and then he turned and vomited on a dining chair. Oh, <laughs> was it all red? Oh no! It was red wine chunks, and then uh, we went outside, hosed off the chair. Yeah, and then we. Oh, that's where the hose came from. Spent about thirty minutes trying to hose chunks of food and red wine down a drain. Just chatting. Yeah, and then, then I woke up in the bush, Yeah, uh, being sick in the bush. He was sick in a bush. John tried to take me to the annex. It's a very big house he's got. Is, uh, <laughs> <Shut> <laughs> he's at left, uh, west or east wing? West, uh, that was in the west corner, yeah. yeah. I thought it best will sleep in the outhouse. Um, Everyone's got an outhouse, haven't they? Yeah. It's a shed. <laughs> it's essentially a shed. So you're going to put me in a shed? A servant's yeah. quarters. Um, and you abused that, weren't you? I yeah. thought, no, this isn't going to work, so I sent him up. Sent him upstairs in the main house. We're, we're, we're Phil <laughs> and Carol watching. Well, because... You're worried he was going to uh, choke yeah. his own vomit. Yeah. I just didn't... I don't know. We're, were Phil and Carol witnessing this? No, they, they were gone to... It. This is all... They'd gone on for a nightcap. But in it was good fun because after a game like that, I needed a bit of light-hearted relief. And Will... I'm glad we provided, provided that. It, How do you feel the next day? Well, I mean, I had a lot to do that Saturday. A lot to do. And uh, firstly, I woke up. Uh, Phil, oh. Big Phil was drilling me. 
Um, he not That's like what that. Carol uses. Yeah. Them, <laughs> I had these, I've had these two light fittings, and because I'm, a, you know, I think men of our generation have let down all men of all time because we are shit yeah. at DIY. Yeah, that's me. Every single man I know of our age, barring maybe Louis McCarthy, Scarsbrook, and mm. my friend Jamie Bobble from Hull, great guy, can Jamie do Bobble. everything, but the. We are letting everybody Why is down. That? Why is that? Don't know, just the practical skills that we probably don't value. Now I'm learning. I'm probably better. I'm, I'm better than Mark. But better than most people, aren't you? Yeah. Yeah. But my How dad. Are you, learn, are you learning yourself? Yeah. Well, you just learn by making mistakes. I, I heard all but this my going dad, on, by the I had way. these two light fittings for a year and I've been meaning to put them up and mm. whatnot. And I just kept putting it off. And I was like, my dad had seen them. He's like, right, have you got the drill? I was like, yeah, but we got tools out and we did a bit of dad and lad. Mm. drilling it just happened to be the bedroom was above the light fitting we put it in and will sort of woke up in a confused well let me take you you inside my head at this stage i still don't know where i am and i can just hear i feel the drilling coming like almost underneath the bed Mm. Uh, and i can see these instructions yeah and it felt good but i I, I actually felt i felt great as soon as i woke up i didn't know where i was i had no idea where i was still drunk Oh, massively. And uh, and then I could just feel this drill vibrating. And then I could hear the instructions from Big Fields, John, like, this is what you need to do. Get up. So was this, it went, this went on for about an hour? Um, yes, daddy. Yeah. Yes, daddy. What yeah. were you actually doing, by the way? Putting up a light fitting. But so was it a chandelier or something? Or? Yeah, it was like a multi-point sort of dangly thing. It sounded like, a, it sounded like get the crystal, get the crystal. Yeah, no, it was big. It's a big crystal fitting. Crystal maze. Big fitting. Yeah. Remember the crystal maze? The crystal. Um, my favourite point of the morning, though, was that Will was sort of lay on my couch. I, I was going out to training and um, he was feeling a bit worse for wear and he was sort of lay like any man who's had too much to drink does on the couch and just... just in a fetal sort of position. Yeah. And my dog, my, Blue understands when people aren't feeling so great. Mm-hmm. So Blue gets close to him. And Which in itself I, is astonishing, as, isn't as it? As I walked out of the room, I just heard Will utter the words really quietly. And he didn't know, me and Fran weren't there at the time. Mm-hmm. I just heard him say, Blue, help me. <laughs> <laughs> he did. Blue, help he me. He did, didn't he? He came, he came scurrying back. Yeah. Help and, me. And he, he sort of, he sort of, nestled into the fetal position with me he did yeah but looked very Were confused at the same time I was Big Spoon yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I mean there wasn't it was one of those it wasn't really enough on the couch, room on the couch for both of us but he made room for himself oh, on there you know he was sort of like place. hovering on the edge he was yeah and, but, he, but with very confused eyes didn't know quite what was going on no he knew exactly what was happening unfortunately for Blue there was more to come because um, John had to go and have a recovery session Fran had to go to some sports day event so this was still like 9, 10 in the morning and so then I got in the car the the sort of the, the the bare facts are starting to come back together. I'm starting to piece things together. I'm also starting to piece together that I'm going to have to get the train back to Manchester at this stage. Mm. Um, still feeling very shaky, Mark. Very uh, mm. rotten, some people might yeah. say. And um, got in the car about ten seconds after being in the car, John. Was sick again. And yeah, on a very busy road. Very yeah. dangerous for anybody who swerved around my vehicle. Yeah, apologi- the, apologies for apologies. that. Apologies. It yeah. was just Will Perry from the BBC. Yeah, being sick. Being sick. Out, out of the car. Out of the same car that was smoking in the night before. And uh, Blue, who actually, when he, John's dog, when he sits in the car, he sits like a human passenger. So <laughs> he's dangling down. It's weird. It's so weird. He sits That's in the when Blue was looking confused. He didn't get it. He doesn't that. sit like a dog. He sits with, uh, his, with his bum properly on the feet and his two back feet. Down. Well, I, I think we're safe to say that Blue has never seen a human be sick before, and he was horrified. Mm. Oh, poor so, apologies to Blue. Apologies to the public of um, where were we at that stage? Uh, Manchester. Yeah. <laughs> 
greater Manchester area. countryside Manchester somewhere. area yeah um, but it was good so sorry about that no don't apologise yeah. and then I had to, well. just to finish off the story I had to get the train back um, but the, I had to stand up on an absolutely ram packed train covered in sick I don't think you were covered in sick yeah. there's anything on your, on your clock. John didn't hose me down didn't do, do the job properly there is nothing worse than public transport sometimes when you smell of sick and everyone's smelling yeah it. when you're not feeling great being on a plane I think being on a plane's the worst. Mm. I've been a on train, a plane with you in some states. A train stop it stops. You know a train's going to stop. So even if you do need to be ill, mm. you know that eventually the train's going to stop. Whereas if you're on a flight for four hours and you're mm. hemmed in. But I'm talking. I've about actually been there when John's had to rush off to the toilet to be sick when we've just taken off. We were just taking off. Just taking off. The we plane, the plane had, the, had just gone where it dips up and goes vert, you know, to get off the ground, and I ran down the. John pushed a few air hostesses oh, out the way. I didn't push the air hostesses. Well, you did. You nudged past And then Vicious. later on, after we landed, we're in the passport. You know, the passport queue to get back into to collect your baggage, and you mm-hmm. had to run off mid queue to the toilet again, didn't you, mate? Yeah, that was good. And then you were sick again when I dropped you off. Oh, we've house. all been sick. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Never. Uh, yep. But yeah, not going back to Ibiza. No, no. <laughs> that was a one-off. And when I got home, I was like, I'm not going back there. So, no. yeah, apologies to all round, I guess. No, I don't um, apologise. Well, like we said, we've all... Okay, st- still haven't quite been the same since, actually. No, I felt, yeah. you know, we'll get there. Yeah, good. Uh, what should we talk about this week, John? Something's caught your, your little ears, no, hasn't what, it? What I found interesting when you're looking through news, sports news, rugby league news, is there was a story about Sam, Sam Burgess mm-hmm. re-signing... His contract. Mark's friend. Mark's friend, Sam. Good friend. And I, I thought, look, he's... 29. 29, signed... What, how long has he signed he's for? He's signed for four years. F- he's already got a year next year and four-year extension, so it's Oof. five years after this one. Yeah. And that, I think, indicates like a great deal of, I suppose, perceived loyalty to a player. But then I started thinking about that concept of loyalty in sport mm. and like what it means... Like, what does it, what's the perception of what loyalty means in sports? And it's been probably something on my mind because of my situation and the fact that I'm moving on. And, you know, I've, I've been loyal to St. Helens for a number of years. And mm. I just thought it started to raise those questions about what exactly loyalty in sport is. Sam Burgess has committed all of this time to South Sydney. And... You just start to think, you know, what what is it? it? Sounds like you want to get something off your chest. Do you think no, Saints no. have been loyal to you? Um, yes, but I've got a thing. I've got a belief that loyalty to for it to be genuine is is always a two way street, isn't it? You know, as in it's two people equally invested, and you take the rough with the smooth, and you ride sort of patches out. And I'd say mm. actually in my career, there's been an element of that. Like, have I always played well at a world-class level or an amazing level? Probably not. You know, I've had poor games, I've had poorer seasons, I've had, you know. So, world-class is, that's a level yeah. above what you're playing at. Yeah. Have you always played to rep yeah, at I've a always, level that justifies your standing, yeah. your salary uh, yeah. in the team? Yeah. 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 My salary, yeah. Yeah. Without, yeah, definitely. And it made, what, why, I suppose I found it interesting well, Mark was because I thought if Sam hadn't done his job, would the club have been loyal to him? No. And in sport, then are players genuinely loyal 
Or are they just in a situation where they're doing the job and the club are duty-bound to offer them contracts to keep doing the job? Mm. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. In, in rugby league, loyalty, if you do your job at a top club, you get offered contracts. If you don't, you don't. And I didn't know if that is... Is that classed as loyalty? Both ways? Because, you know, if the club's loyal to a player, I don't think that exists in sport. Mm. I don't think the club's ever loyal to a player. As in, as in when they're not performing at their best? Yeah, I, I don't yeah. think they are. I don't think that exists in sport, does it? I mean, players sign long contracts maybe uh, when they're playing well and then if they're there's, not there's playing va- well... There's value to the club. There's yeah. always value to the club for them to show a perception of loyalty, isn't there? Yeah. I, I guess there's more... Is there not more it's loyalty a currency in... in sport, isn't it? Because the fans... Look, I, look, I know I've played with guys who've played at St. Helens the whole career and I've you know, played at St. Helens for such a long time. And the retention of your talent is really important, but you retain the guys who are doing a job, don't you? You retain yeah, the guys who add something, yeah, sometimes add you... more than they take away. And in my career, the players who've detracted more than they give, uh, you know, end up sort of moving on. Mm. Or players who, for whatever reason, need to be moved on, move on. But it just made me think, does loyalty really exist? And I'm not saying I believe that it doesn't. I'm just... I'm just wanted to open it up as a discussion I, I, I point. Like, Will, for, if you didn't do, sorry, Matt, if you right. didn't do your job mm. at the BBC, say you had a shocker, you did a couple of poor... Yeah, you'd be out. You'd be out, wouldn't you? Yeah. And that, that, that is that life in general. But I think there's a perception that there's like... Loyalty in sport gets talked about more than the everyday man, doesn't it? The everyday, mm. you know, workplace. Um, but sport's the most brutal performance culture of all. So if you don't do your job... You get fired off. People get people get rewarded for loyalty, don't they? In sort of twilight years, like you see people who have, who clearly aren't at their best, and they're not the player they were six years ago, but they're still an asset to the club. Yeah, but, but they get paid in, less. Well, yeah, they yeah. get paid they less, get paid and less, they yeah. bring different assets to the table. But does loyalty have to come through cash, through mm, through salary? No, no. But I think for loyal loyalty is a two way street. Mm. It's a good so measure. So you're though. you're loyal to somebody, and then. The loyalty has to be reciprocated. Otherwise, that that's not loyalty, is it? It's just service. Mm. I'm just providing a service and being paid to do it. Well, the, the perfect equilibrium is um, contribution from player equals salary paid by club, isn't it? Yeah, and that should be that should be equal. I, I think that in some situations in sport, the club kind of can take advantage of that. For instance, a young player comes on the scene, they'll give him a five-year contract, knowing full well after two or three years, there's a good chance that they'll be worth more than that contract, i.e. they are getting more for the money in that equilibrium. Yeah, without doubt, yeah. So I think sports clubs, nine times out of ten, take advantage of loyalty and they, they, not pride, but they kind of take advantage of a player through money. Yeah. I think and, in, and it's the in, loyalty. In rugby league specifically, and that's all I can talk about, you know, I don't have experience of other sports, but at the start of your career, you exceed the value you are paid or you, you're remunerated from the club in, in huge sums. So you are, you know, getting paid realistically if you're a young player in a Super League club, 12,000, 16,000, £20,000 and at that point you're playing Super League in front of you know hundreds of thousands of people mm. or tens of thousands of people every weekend and at that point you're really 
contributing more than you're getting, aren't you? Mm-hmm. And at that start of your career, that first four or five years, that's the case. And then that middle part, middle three or four years, maybe you get paid what you're worth. And then for the maybe the final few years, you probably get paid more than you should. But should, but then, all right, so you say in the final few years, so, so if, I mean, how many contracts have you had in the last five years? Like, you know, little two. one years, two years? No, I've had two. No? Well, two years, okay, two two contracts. But, but then how much is it down to a club? Like, if, from an owner's point of view, if, for example, John Wilkin is still doing a good job in the Super League, but he's not playing at the level he was eight years ago, seven years ago, how much loyalty? You must be able to see it from a business side. of th- Yeah, without doubt. But that's yeah. what I'm saying then. Loyalty doesn't really exist. I'm not talking about purely rugby stuff. I'm talking about if the player has a value to the club in terms of the culture that he brings, the attitude that he brings, mm-hmm. the professionalism that he brings. There's also playing value, as in, in, you know, how durable is he? Can he do his job still? Is that job still valuable to the team? And all these sort of things go into an equation, and there's a value attached to that. Mm. Um, but in sport, if you don't quite meet the expectation or the value that you're extracting out of the club, you get sacked off. Yeah, and there's a lot of power in the hands of the clubs, I think. Like we alluded to then, like if a player's given a contract of four or five years on good money and the player doesn't um, meet those expectations, there's a lot of times clubs will threaten for the player to find a new club or you'll rot in the reserves for a year or you'll be discarded, you won't play, which which uh, pushes a, can push a player out. Mm. Now in that situation, they haven't got the best for their money, but then they can kind of strong arm a player from leaving and then this and this, uh, the example I used earlier they can get a better better value out of a player by signing them up for long term deals so I think there's a lot of lot of power on the club side and there's the like John said there's not a, as much of a perception as loyalty from their side to players but the other way there is with fans and, and it's lent on by clubs to be loyal well, it's, u- it's used as a retention tool yeah. for clubs isn't it so the, the players being loyal to this team, there's more of an investment in, you know, a team than maybe, you know, the the perception from the fans is that you are invested completely. Mm. And I think I've seen it all different ways. I've seen people who are more mercenary about their career in sport. I was always dead romantic about what I did. I, I wanted to play for one team. I, I stayed at St. Helens and got paid less than I should have done for, for years mm. because I wanted to stay at one team. Now, that was loyalty from my side, um, but I'm just wondering if at any stage so during lo- that loyalty career... loyalty is an emotion. Yeah, and it's an emotion. It's a sentimental thing perceived by players and fans, but I don't think the clubs see it. I, I don't honestly think they do. I think they see loyal. they're loyal to people who do the job and who they keep and see value in, mm. but they're not loyal to others. And they leverage loyalty. Yeah. Well, Mark, you could for, speak for the, from for the purpose of the player. Personal point of view, can't you? Because, you know, you just won the grand final with St. Helens mm. and then you were out the door. No, no, I played another, well, I played another yeah, season. Yeah, you played another season, but, you, but the, that, that, that yeah. loyalty came into question, didn't it, when you left the club? Um, I don't think it did. I just think I didn't fit into the, the coach's plans at the time. Uh, yeah, there's loads of reasons why yeah, players yeah. leave as well. I'm yeah, not saying it's, yeah, it's all not, just that you're not doing your job. And, and no, because that's what I said is John saying when players don't do the job, you you had done the job. You but were you the were job a regular. can change, can't it? The job can change under your feet. The the, yeah. the the formation of a squad can change. It's about balance, and sometimes a certain blend of players you need you need somebody else to to give you balance, and or you might change how you're playing, and that changes. It would the have personnel. been a question of loyalty if they brought in 
um, a player of a sim very similar player to me on the same money, it would have been a question of loyalty because mm. there's no reason why I couldn't have fulfilled that role on the same amount of money. That would have been a, that would have been up for debate. But those emotions must have come into your head at the time. Like these guys aren't being loyal to me. I've done everything. Um, I, I put my body no, on the I line for them. No, yeah, no, I no, understand well, I, the game. It's, it's different. Yeah, I think loyalty is perceived by clubs and fans of a player to them. Mm. I think that's the way that in sport is perceived. Well, um, you speak you speak like to your father-in-law. You 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 and him are quite black and white about things. Mm. So, in your, in your perspective, it's. A, there is no loyalty it's a club paying a player yeah, to just, do a service it is what it is yeah, it's, it's, it's a, a transaction a, a, yes. yeah, yeah. And, and I know that sounds really cold but ultimately that's what it is it's more than that and it is more than that and you're invested more than that and I've been in in something and totally invested in it and consumed my every thought and you know every night think about it and go to bed wake up think about it you're having something to eat you think about it you you know, you, you haven't slept well, you think about it, you train, you think about it, you're invested completely, you lose, you're devastated, you win, you're related. Mm. You are completely invested in it. And well, that's you down are, to the human because you're, you, you, you put more of that into it than maybe other players do. Possibly, but it doesn't make the club any more likely to be loyal to me. No. That's what I'm saying is that your investment in in something. I, I, what, what, what it made me think is when Sam signed this new contract, I thought that's, you know a guy who's doing his job and been rewarded for doing his job. Mm. But we sometimes hear those phrases of Sam's shown his loyalty to South Sydney by committing. And it's not a question of loyalty to me. It's a transactional thing. Mm. Yeah. And it's a, it's a reciprocal relationship that works. And that in sport is what it's about. That's quite a cold way of looking at it. No, it's no, not. That's, that, that's, it's a, it's a reciprocal, it it's a relationship yeah. in which, in fact, it's like a marriage, isn't it? Mm. It's a relationship where you're both invested in it. You both actually give and take from it. Um, but ultimately, it's got to work for you both. Is that how most players see it? Like you know, um, when, in, the, in a dressing room, especially younger players? Is that how? I think what, like Mark said, I think what, what's quite canny about sports clubs and, and all sports clubs is they see a young player who's giving value mm. and they sign them on quite long contracts when they're young. And it's only by the time they're coming to the mid part of that contract, they probably think, damn it, like I should have backed myself, um, but I don't. I think if if you're enjoying what you do, then it's never a question, is it? So if you're enjoying, it's been so easy being at St Helens because of all the great things that we've done. You know, we've won things, we've lost things as well. Like we've lost our first share of things. But I've been at a club that's gone from an amazing old stadium to a brand new stadium. We've won grand finals, World Club challenges, Challenge Cup finals, League Leader Shields. We've lost. Grand finals, you know, Challenge Cup semi-finals. We've lost World Club challenges and all of this. And I enjoyed it all the way. But that, I think, helps players make those decisions about where Romanticism. Yeah. Mm. And you've got to love what you do, haven't you, and enjoy it. And, it, and I, I think loyalty is the wrong word for what it is in sport it's a relationship but do you, do you, you have, have a relationship with a club for in a period of time so if that's the equivalent of like a marriage and a relationship do you do you get hurt the way your club treats you at times in terms of you know you see the club as this giant entity but it may be just one person making or two people making a decision so for example in my shoes i feel absolutely zero loyalty 
to the BBC mm. because they've made decisions that I don't like and whatever. And, and you know, it, that doesn't mean that I don't want to work for them, but I but it becomes just a one-way thing that I, I, I'm getting out of them what I want to get out of them. I have, I have zero loyalty to them yeah. because they've shown me zero loyalty. Yeah. So so it's, a two way, Dave, there, it's a two-way street, yeah. <laughs> it is. I've yeah. zero loyalty. I'd go and work for no. someone tomorrow. Well, I can see it. I can see in the future of sport. And do you know when Andrew Johns came over and played for Warrington, I thought, oh, this is going to change the game here. And then Sonny Bill, you know, I thought about him, you know, going and playing an odd game for a team. And then I thought this concept of franchise players who bounced around, did a month here, month there, you know, mm. I, I could see that developing. You know what I mean? Where you recruit people in just for a short period to get a desired effect. But then what you're saying essentially is, and to put it from a fan's point of view, because that's everyone who's listening, basically, fans can be, sort of, they can get entrenched in the in all the romanticism and all the things that we've been talking about. So say, for example, say Ben Barber, for example. Is, is he, He's definitely leaving, is that, he's been confirmed? He's definitely no, leaving. yeah, I think, I, well, there's talk well, that he's leaving. Anyway, so say he leaves at the end of the season and he's been the star and you've got kids with his name on the back of the shirt and from, a, not just a kid's point of view, but from a fan's point of view, they they just assume that he has this loyalty because people love him. And yeah, he, it's, it's similar with that because the, there's um, probably leverage put on fans towards players that oh, you should be loyal towards. Whereas... I think if Ben Barber had a shit season and played poorly, mm. would there be any loyalty shown from the fans to Ben Barber? So it works two ways like so that. So I think no. it does work two ways, doesn't it? Because if, he, if he's yeah. not playing well, there's, there's like, are well, they, they, they going to beg him to stay? I don't think they would. Mm. Well, and you talk about it being cold, Will, but in life, it is, this is how it is, isn't it? You get paid to do a job, and if you do it, you usually hang around and keep doing it. Mm-hmm. If you don't do it, there's a likelihood that you won't do it for very long. And you've got to be passionate and emotional and, and enthused and completely invested in something, but that's just part of doing your job. People who aren't like that for me, in any walk of life, whatever whatever walk of life you're in, if you're not passionate and invested in what you do I don't think you'll be successful have you ever listened to an autobiography or autobiography of a successful like businessman or you know Steve Jobs or you know um the the guy from Nike the Phil Knight, Phil Knight the mm. shoe dog read his read their books great book that one got it up there read, read really good book yeah are they enthusiastic about what they do are they passionate about what they do are they invested in it mm. and they're successful and those are the key ingredients that make sports people different to, I think, everyday people. So do, do That's why loyalty, I think one of the big reasons players hang around or players are valued in organisations are those things. Being invested, being passionate. And, and those are the things also that fans perceive as loyalty. But that said, everyone has a shelf life. Yeah, without doubt. Yeah. Yeah. But with, you know, we spoke earlier of no loyalty between players and clubs. It's a it's a it's an equilibrium of salary and performance. Yeah. With with fans and players, it's the same equilibrium, but it's performance equals adulation and support by the fans. Yeah. When performance drops, so does that. When well, performance to, increases, then so they're supported that. and yeah, it's and proportionally. It's, it, yeah, yeah the, the the positive correlation between performance and adulation yeah. in sport and the. And but what I would throw into that is you can perform really well in sport, but not have the adulation of the fans because you're not passionate, you're not engaged, yeah. you're not there, invested. There, obviously, there is a bit and of that. that, that yeah. The things all the players that I've known who've been loyal or have stuck at a club for a long time have been invested in it, have 
made it quite clear that they've make a compromise on money because the likes of Paul Wellens stayed at St. Helens for much less money than he could have. He's a hometown bird. He could have had anywhere else. Same with James Roby, same with myself, other players. Could have moved on for more money. And there is other factors. You, so you that. choose because you're passionate, you're invested yeah. and you're emotional about what you do. Do you regret that now that you, you showed them that much loyalty, St. Helens? No. No. I don't, I don't regret anything. I, what I've had is an amazing career that has taught me so much about the things that we're talking about now. Mm. And I'm not being critical of rugby clubs or sports clubs for, for the way that they deal with the talent, the players. Mm. Um, you know, it is what it is. It's a business and they've got to make money. If they don't make money, they don't pay people's wages and the fans don't have something to support. So it's all got to work together. Um, and, I, you know, I've got no qualms with how clubs are, are run, but it just... This time of my life, you know, I'm not emotional about it. It makes you think about it. Mm. I think more deeply about stuff like this now because it's topical for me. The, the, it's not something it... I considered in the middle part of my career because you could have offered me anything. And Huddersfield Giants did, like I said, in 2004-05, offered me twice, more two and a half times the money I was on at St. Helens to leave. Really? Yeah. And I did. I, couldn't, I just didn't even entertain it. How long did that process last for making up your mind? It didn't even entertain it. Just a straight no to them. Yeah. Wow. And they, didn't didn't, and they just it. took that. They didn't try and caveat. No. That. Well, I just said I'm not leaving. I'm not. I'm not fucking leaving. leaving. <laughs> <laughs> because I didn't want to. Because I was invested. I cared yeah. about what I did. We just won the Challenge Cup. We were top of the league in 2005. Huddersfield was struggling. I was like, well, why? Why would you do that? Mm. If, if the reason you get involved in sport is to win and and yeah. to to be great. And if if you compromise that at any stage, at the start of your career, I think that's a slippery slope. It's, it's a weird. different, but different animal when you develop a rounded skill set. The value at which you contribute to one club might not be what it was, perception-wise. Yeah. And then you can add value of experience, of leadership, of, of understanding of a game to another club that hasn't got it. Then your skills, the value of your skills is increased somewhere else, and mm -hmm. I understand that. But as a young player who's learning the game, mm -hmm. if you compromise on the, the best club you can be at, the best environment you can be in, I think that's a mistake. Well, what, yeah, money in sport and being well paid for what you do is is probably what every athlete wants. But more than that is winning stuff. Like, would you rather take more money and have a bigger couch and a bigger telly and a slightly faster so, car, some, or would you rather have a chance to win trophies? But and, I'd argue, actually, some people would. Yeah, I know they would. Some, some people are motivated by money, and that's not wrong. Like, that's just honest, then, isn't it? That's, that comes back to the passion and yeah. the, the love can, for the game and the love for the You win. can be passionate about money. I've met yeah. people who are mm. passionate but, about but rugby. For the game. And yeah. F yeah. And because they're passionate about money, the money they get from it. So I think this is a really interesting conversation because, again, 99% of people listening are fans, potentially yeah. fans of rugby league clubs or of, of sports clubs or just a fan of something. And, and you see different sides. Like, for example, when you look at Premier League football, people question Premier League footballers, don't they? And, and th this is a conversation we should have now in terms of perception of loyalty from fans. You know, fans may have questioned your loyalty to the club or your loyalty mark to a club over, over your career. That, that might, and, but you having these conversations now will be refreshing to them because, you know... You, you've, yeah. you've, and look, I think the Premier League is, is an individual sport masquerading as a team sport now at the top level is yeah. mercenary agents are just talentless agents are just taking slices of cash from mm -hmm. from everyone at the top level um, 
and it's mercenary at that level and it's a business it's pure business at that level whereas rugby league we still we're still quite delicate in that way you know we don't talk in commercial terms players very rarely there's one or two players in the world who move around like the Ben Barber thing is so you never had you never had an agent in your ear saying John look we could do this here we could do that no because there's probably in rugby league there's maybe four or five agents and there's probably a couple of them represent 200 of the players out of 400 players Mm. So there's probably an agent, maybe at our club has got 10 of our players, one agent. He can't be looking in your best interest. If so he's there's obviously players. deals going on. I'll get, you know, this guy, I'll get, get this guy, he's going to have to go, blah, blah, blah. You know what I mean? There's the, these, all these conversations are happening. Mm-hmm. They are. But we, we rarely, we're very delicate in rugby league about it, aren't we? Whereas football is commercial. It's about the money. All the players have got the big cars, well, and houses, it's, it's perception, isn't it? So I know we mentioned it last week, but say for example, and just as an example, that this documentary about Manchester City, and I think I was actually so Bernardo, just look out the window there, yeah. look five floors up, he lives in that flat over there, Bernardo. Place. Bernardo, Bernardo, Bernardo. I did ask him to come on the podcast, have but uh, did, have you but, asked him? No, I didn't. I couldn't. I couldn't do it to myself. But I, but I was speaking to him the other day about the the documentary, and and I was saying what's brilliant about it is that that open door suddenly to a, a huge Premier League club and to people's intentions, players' intentions, purposes, everything that would have come into question when you talk about Premier League football. This guy's 21, right? He, he just moved over from Monaco two years ago. He earns, uh, I think it's about, he earns about 200 grand a week. Okay, he's a 21-year-old kid. What I love about him is I saw him in Zara the other day. He was in Top Man. He just walks around. There's no sort of, I know that's not a sign of all being normal that you're knocking around in Zara, but compared to other Premier League footballers who yeah, are yeah. out in the sticks with their blinds closed. Mm. And anyway, the point being that fans rarely get to see things like that behind the scenes and you just assume with Premier League football, don't you, that, oh yeah, I want this contract, I want this amount of money. I don't care about playing for this club. Yeah. Whereas in rugby league, people are invested. But isn't it funny though that that we are you're saying that the interesting thing about the Man City documentary is it opens a door and gives you a glimpse into what people are actually like. Mm. Whereas I think rugby league, we have that door flung open all the time, and we do whatever we can to stop our personalities of our players coming out. Why? The media, the way in which our players address the media is poor. Yeah, I think. We give stock standard media trained sort of answers. We speak in jargon. We speak in riddles. We don't communicate our personal. There's so many amazing personalities in rugby league. They do that in football as well, don't they? They they do. But what you need to do to actually get into it is get break down the the barrier of a camera and a microphone in front of you. Yeah. And that's what Man City did, isn't it? It's fly on the wall stuff. Yeah. A fly on the wall in a rugby league setting, I think, would be really interesting. But we we've got this perception that the sports the sport is really approachable, that the the stars are there to be spoken to. And I agree that they are, but I don't think the content that comes out is legitimate. Well yeah. when I was at Saints, the RFL paid for every club to have media training and have a full session with Dave Woods and a couple of other guys. Um, and I did it once. No, sorry, there were two sessions, different seasons. Did it once. That there was three of us from Saints. There should have been eight of us there. And then I did it another time. They joined up Saints' session with Witness's session. And I went along, and I was the only St Helens player there because all the other lads had just fobbed it off. Yeah. And and I, I thought it was great because I thought if I'm going to be in front of a camera talking about the sport, I want to be able to be pretty good at it. But 
the organisation and the push for and from from clubs well, and the I RFL think needs to be better because we Jackson Hastings who we've just signed he was on the Super, Super League show yeah. he was Gale. really good and he's really good in front of the camera he's not the brightest guy in the world he's no brighter than any other player but he's been trained and it's been pushed down his neck that he needs to be able to, to do this and I think on the long list there's of a, jobs for the for the clubs to do is to coach yeah. the players better. and there's a skill in there like you said yeah. but the Man City documentary allows you to see past this veneer of like super slick rich footballers who don't give a shit mm. and you got into a dressing room and you think god Guardiola talks to them like a boss and they respond and laugh and enjoy being yeah. there and work hard and that's why it was groundbreaking yeah. exactly that for that, that reason but that's what I'm saying is rugby league we, we have got the ability to do that but we don't give that away mm. we don't give any of it away I don't know anything about any personalities in rugby league do you know anything really other than it's, it's, it's too structured mm. whenever players are interviewed in the documentary they speak to Fabian Delph and a few other guys they interview them while they're driving and it's very relaxed it's very laid back and it puts a guard down between the player and the interviewer yeah. and I think that's obviously we're not doing a documentary on the game but it's it's easier for players to open up if it's not Sky in front of a screen yeah. and, and an advertising board with Angela Power sticking a microphone. So, so, so what is it then? Is it the clubs that were scared? Because it definitely can be said in football, which is why you get these, oh yeah, tough game interviews that no one gives a shit about and, yeah. and no one wants to hear. And they just, I mean, as soon as they hear them, you're two seconds in, you switched off as a listener, as a fan. Yeah. So so what is it? Is it clubs being overprotective that they don't want to expose people's well, personalities? Clubs, sports clubs are scared of honesty, aren't they? So if you've got players being honest it's not always the best policy for the club's media is it but it is for the fan yeah. it's more endearing for the more fan endearing. Mm. well this is the thing I think people want to see honesty from players I don't think they want to hear oh you know the other team were great you know credit to our forward pack but you know I, I was okay but I've got to credit everyone else because I don't take praise myself mm. you know these kinds of messages are things that have been drummed into us over years of how we should respond but is it the now, equivalent of thing, keeping your guard up is no, that like if yeah, your guard comes down is that a weakness yeah well possibly or it's just the fact that we want everything to be standardised and controlled because yeah. we are how, essentially the lads are thinking how should I answer this question yeah rather than just answering yeah. and making mistakes and sounding flawed and normal like everyone else does mm. but that's a culture that's always been there within sport within yeah. any, not, I mean, I let's be honest any sport yeah I just think the skill within being in the media within sport or being interviewed within sport is getting your personality across and your opinions across succinctly without waffling using jargon or trying to answer the question in a way that you think people want you to answer it mm. and I think rugby league we give all this access the players are there they're at your presentation nights you know we're the changing room cameras were you know BBC you're on the field talking to the players you're in the dressing room mm. but we very rarely get that relaxed this is new feeling to it but is the counter argument not to say that the like I said when you when you show personality when you show um, a different side to yourself when you show a human side to yourself essentially you're exposing yourself you? Yeah, it's you, confidence, you, isn't it? You're showing a vulnerability, therefore yeah, you know, you're giving other people a... Is that not way, the way clubs see it? Yeah, but I think that's just nonsense then. We need to break that down. But everyone's vulnerable. Do you think because you play for, for Wigan, for Sean Wayne, you know, you're not vulnerable? But well, if you because, don't show it, it no, keeps a stronger it, is, unit. Is it because Sean Wayne's team's a macho and he's a macho sort of coach that his players aren't vulnerable? What, what, well, what this, this, this is why I was fascinated no, I with the documentary. No, no, I don't understand what that means. Like every single person in the world is flawed and vulnerable in but some way. But your, your coach would not want your, your enemies, your opposition to see that. 
Yeah, but I, then that that in itself is a problem, isn't it? I think. But that's what that that's why the Guardiola and the, the 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 Manchester City one was fascinating for me because a coach like him, who you see him and you see it, it kind of gives away the secrets, which is so weird. You know, he would be saying. I, I don't know if I don't know the answer to something I just lie I make it up he's like saying all these things and then yeah. but he would have thought about it, and we mentioned this last week but he would have thought about that going out and he would have had control over that going out or not and to put it out it is it is a massive gamble and a risk it's great for us to watch it because we get this insight but like but you said yeah. that what Man City needed to do was endear themselves to more people which is what they've done which is what they've done yeah. and, and the positive negative side of showing some tactical or maybe technical things or giving away secrets was obviously weighed up and they decided, you know, to to not, you know, to, to go ahead with it. But I just think in rugby league, we do, we pretend that we've got all this access. But what do you know about players? Do you know anything about any rugby players? No. What do you know? We, all you see is on Sky, a little interview, don't you, a little feature piece perhaps on, on Super League show. That's all you get. Yeah. We're not doing enough of it. Yeah, they, sh- they should open the floodgates, I think. But you know, properly and design and and do it by design. And so it's can I say can I say as well that the, the 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 standard of interviewing and the journalism and all of that needs to be more challenging. We're, we're too nice. Let's be more challenging. A lot of interviews I see on Sky play uh, interviews put words in the the mouths of the players mm. after a match. Um, you started off well. Do you think um, the second half? Of um, the other team losing all the ball helps you in this uh, claw the result back and go on to win the game. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Rather than saying, just giving an open question, what happened? Talk us yeah. through it. Well, that's one thing that we got beat by Hull in the Challenge Cup, and I was on the pitch full time. We got beaten. I think it was fifty-two-six or something. We got spanked oh. by him. Yeah, yeah. And um, I got asked. Um, I think it was Tanya asked me, or it might be Damien on the on the sideline, and he just said. It was Damien. He said, uh, "That's a record defeat for St. Helens in the cup," and it wasn't a question; it was more of a statement. Yeah. And then it came to me, and I was like emotional about it, and like my answers were abrupt and rash and a bit emotional. That's probably what he wanted to get out of you. Yeah. And I thought, and that's that's true, isn't it? It's just honest. Yeah. But but again, you could you know, go, "Well, it's not in, too bad." You know, defense, let's not read too much into it, and did a, it's just lies all yeah. that, isn't it? But in their defence, they made, they, they've got ninety seconds to get something like you say that's not just going to be some monotonous answer so to put something in your head there well, they're going well to yeah, I, react I think that's that's how it should yeah. be they should be what happened mm. like yeah. no the viewer doesn't care what the interviewer has to say because no. they're just, just talking they're just deciding a question based on the performance which everybody at home can see yeah they should be what happened out there how yeah, would you turn it round? Yeah, and I think it's a two-way thing. The players need the personality to come out more, but the best people who interview me, and well, I'll put you in that category, is the people who put you at ease to be yourself. Mm. And your personality naturally comes through. Mm. The worst interviews you ever do, you know, if you got interviewed by somebody like Hugh Woos and Croft from the BBC, puts you on the back foot straight away. You feel like not being yourself. Do you know what I mean? I'm going to be guarded. I'm not going to give anything away. Straight mm. back, straight back. Well, this is aesthetic. why Mark Chapman's so good. Because yeah. he makes people think. Chappers, Claire Balding. Wedding. Claire Balding's a genius at it. Mm. She pretends to know nothing. She knows everything, and therefore she. No, we're not going to be nice questions. to Claire Balding on this podcast again yeah. after she turned turned us down and wouldn't come on it. So no, she's, we won't have any of that. No, that's fine. She we said she couldn't do it. That's fine. Yeah, well, it's she, when people say they're going to could do it and they don't come on. She said she couldn't do it. Wiggins ever basically. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. Uh, Vegas Wiggins. Anyone else want to throw? Mm. Someone else? No. Moran. <laughs> No. Dennis Moran. No, he used to play no, for the Broncos. No, 
Dennis Moran at Broncos. Should we we talk about questions? Interesting questions. Should we do our own question questions? Time? Question time. Question time. Uh, whippets and flat caps. Question time. I thought question you'd like this one, John, time. because uh, when I tweeted out this week, I put it's question time with a few bang emojis and the Joker. Uh, should we should tweet the picture of me dressed as the Joker? In oh, can we just reminisce about that moment yeah, quickly? We could do a before and after. Should we just very? I know we have mentioned this on the podcast before, but we're talking about insight and giving fans and, and mm. sort of insight into people and you know into the life of John 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 Helens. I was about to call you. John, John, John St. Helens. John St. Helens. Imagine if you just took your John last name. Like, <laughs> Mark yeah, Salford. I think, I think that's like amazing when people have the name which tells you, like, you know. Fletcher. Yeah. Like, we've got a coach great, great at St. Helens called Derek Trainer, mm. And what he does is train people. Yeah. Well, what, as you've just mentioned, the word Fletcher, one of the greatest moments, certainly of this calendar year for me, was in a taxi in New York, Kelvin Fletcher. Yeah, Fletcher means an arrow maker. Back former former on screen husband of Roxanne Pallet, which is a whole other discussion, oh, isn't it? Oh, wow, wow. We'll save that one for another time. Mm. Um, but Kelvin Fletcher doing a slut drop. Um, John, Mark, you'd like to do a slut drop for us now? No, no I'm just really. doing one now. Slut drop is a kind of. Oh, how would you describe a slut good. drop, Mark? I'd so. say it's where you collapse your body like a building that's been exploded or collapsed. Yeah. And, and then you stand back up. It's imagine if you is, watched do you a, hold building, your nose like a high-rise a building being blown up from the base down and then and then rewound back like up. Like a boomerang of, a, of yeah, that, exactly. basically, and then coming back up. Anyway, Kelvin Fletcher, a.k.a. Andy Sugden, uh, doing a slut drop in the middle of Manhattan uh, while the traffic had come to a halt. In the street, on the in road. In the street. He, he got out the t- t- passenger seat of the taxi, went out, did a slut drop. Taxi driver had no idea what was going on. Everyone was beeping wearing? the horns, just a dressing gown. Fine. And uh, minutes later... John Wilkin, aka the Joker, mm. stopping a school bus. Just the, the, that, that you picture it—that school bus. Yep, that yellow school bus that says "school bus" mm. on it. But no, but no kids on it. No, it was a, no, it was a big wagon, wasn't it? It was a big wagon. It was a school no, bus. Enough, it, was a, yeah, yeah, it was a school the bus. Of the story. <laughs> it was a school bus. That was yeah. Would have been good if we got a picture of this. Would have been amazing. And it would have been the best video ever. And he got out and he didn't put his hand up to stop the bus. He just. I mean, essentially broke the law. Stood in the middle of uh, a very, very busy Fifth downtown Avenue. Manhattan, Fifth, Fifth Avenue. Avenue. Stood there and just stared out the, bu- the driver of the school bus mm. and didn't raise his hands at everyone. There must have been hundreds of horns going. He just wouldn't move and the bus was edging towards him and he just stared and stared and stared, dressed as the Joker. Mm. I was in character. I'm a method actor. Mm. Yeah. Can we, uh, I didn't take loads of tablets like Heath Ledger though. Ooh. Yeah, it's controversial. Um, well, he did to get into character for the oh, joke. Oh, yeah, 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 he took loads of oh, like um, sleeping tablets. He got himself in a weird mind frame, and then that's yeah. the rumours behind why he went down. Well, I mean, you were in a while. weird mind frame because actually, uh, about half an hour after that, uh, we had a roof party, uh, hotel party, and the, in the hotel, giving a lot away here. But um, everyone was at the party. Uh, <laughs> the next minute, someone just sent a picture through on the WhatsApp group of the the Joker's wig. On the floor, purpley green, purpley green wig outside. Has anyone seen John? Yeah, <laughs> and we didn't. And, and no one. John walks around this rooftop bar, just. <laughs> well, no, everyone Stealing. was in, Everyone was with fancy dress. I was like, you know, on Home Alone, the Sticky Bandits, where he just keeps taking things, hats and gloves off people. I was just like walking. I was just like walking around. It was well, there's like everyone was in fancy dress and just like hoying fancy dress hats off the building. So, secu- so at this stage, security, wig, frisbees, security. Scarf, there was an axe went over. <laughs> an axe. There was a bow and arrow. There was um, a blonde wig with pigtails. A Viking's helmet. Just, 
taken was and a cowboy's hat, pirate's hat, a pirate's hat, <laughs> Johnny Depp's pirate's hat. Johnny, there was being whizzed off the whole film. Someone, the just, someone just came up and started speaking to me, and John was there. I thought John knew this guy, and yeah, I uh, knew him. Yeah, you knew him, though, didn't him you? Who best mate's uncle. So he just came over. He was dressed up, blazer on. He was Paul ready for Kerwin. a good night. And um, John just took his hat off. He had a top hat on. Just took his hat off and just threw it off a sixty-story tower. It wasn't sixty stories. <laughs> Twenty. <laughs> sixty stories. 20. Where were we? Out and then the guy's <laughs> like, "Who's is that, John? Your friend who plays for Saints?" So I was like, "Yeah." yeah. What hotel was it called? I was in what the, was the hotel. The Gansevoort. Gansevoort. Uh, more than twenty jo- stories. I was, I was in character as the Joker. Anyway, come on, question time. But um, but also d- after that, John then security came up, tried to remove John from the building. No, they didn't. No, will they you did. No, this is, this is a good. No, this is a good. This story is a good part of the story. Go on, you tried to remove. The guy, this guy who he saw me throwing these hats off the thing, and I was being a dick, obviously. <laughs> he just people. jumped in the pool. Aren't no, you? no, no, yeah. no, 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 no. He's like, mate, come on, you know, we're gonna have, you're we're gonna have to leave. Yeah. You know, we're gonna have to leave. It's a nice hotel. Is that right? Cool. So I did a bomb into the swimming pool and just walked straight back towards him and he's like right mate you're out <laughs> that and was we your got, final warning we got in the lift <laughs> and as we're going down I'm dripping wet through dressed as the joker I was like mate you're going to regret this and he's like what he's like what why, why, you're why? are you going to regret this yeah. you're going to regret this we got to the ground floor walked out I was like I'm staying in room 304 <laughs> <laughs> so he like, straight to let in. me back in go up to the room 304 he's like mate just dried, get to bed and dried off like, came yeah. to the back to the party yeah. um, question time what anyway so there is the, uh, the, 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 the meaning behind um, question time with Heath Ledger clapping his hands sinisterly mm, uh, in a sinisterly in a sinister fashion, in a sinister sinister fashion. Um, first one no particular order Ian Tolbert has uh, tweeted in a picture John do you remember when you called um, oh no I've seen this yeah. he, he, Ian Tolbert's <laughs> a coach at St Helens I know Tol- so he was absolutely wet in his pants that the <laughs> the big he, foot on the head. He was also called Ian, wasn't he? I can't remember who tweeted the picture yeah. in, but uh, Saint anyway, Can you say Ian Saint Latic? That's yeah. it. Yeah. Can you offer any advice on how to live with a newfound fame? Hashtag Bigfoot. I'm asking for a friend and a picture of Ian there. Excellent. Oh, this is what we do. Yeah. Connect people. It's good. Very good. Uh, Dom Hodgson. Oh, do the lads separate the on-field player to the off-field bloke? For instance, John Wilkin, the player, not a fan of at all. Ooh, capitals. Me at all. Um, but John Wilkin the bloke would happily have a beer with in brackets although I'd probably not mention calling him a cocky little shit who always moans to the referee well I, was mo- I think it's your job to moan to the referee at times with the standard of referee in our competition I don't think anybody leaves a game happy with the referee are you one of the biggest moaners no I'm back at the start of my career what you mean moan to you're passionate <laughs> yeah <laughs> like somebody gets something wrong you do Speak your opinion. Yeah, but the referees can't get it wrong every game, and you're constantly moaning. You know? No, I'm not constantly moaning. That's that's just. <laughs> you I, just I was that. I was a captain of a club. You're the only person allowed to speak to the referee. Yeah. So when you get a chance to speak to the referee, you do. Okay. But anyway, um, on field, are you different. separate? Yeah, hundred percent. I'm mm. nothing like. You're right, actually. Aren't you? Yeah, he's, he's okay. He's all right, actually. Isn't he? Not not about block. Mm. You can't I'm, be. How can you be the person you are on the field? I was just running through boots in town and just dropping people. No, <laughs> you're a knob on the field and you're all right. Yeah, off but it. exactly. You can't be like. But not everyone, to, I'm not a knob be, on the field. You can't be like berating like the checkout assistant. Yeah, but I'm not a knob on the field. Yeah, but then you're a knob off it. So ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, touche. <laughs> well, you chose boots there. Not. Wait, that's, we're going to choose any shop to drop well, load of people. You, you, we Games sat, workshop. We're in Salford. I'm looking at boots. <laughs> Games workshop. Games workshop. C E X. Is that the shop? Kieran Jones if a dog went blind should a human get assigned to lead in brackets pun intended close brackets it's around hashtag equality 
<laughs> I like the hashtag at the end. Yeah. If a dog went blind, should a, u- a human get assigned to lead it around? Mm. You know, I, I saw a guide dog today actually in the shop. They are they are something to behold, aren't they? Yeah. Guide dogs. The whole concept of a guide dog. It's incredible. They like answer the phone for you and stuff. They do everything. For you. Hello. What? Um, <laughs> just, Hello. I don't think a dog. Would, yeah. Um, blind it's interesting blind, thought, blind people it? can answer phones, mate. They don't need help doing that. Deaf. This Deaf generation blind, is born blind idle, under. so they wouldn't do it. Who's going to pay the person to do it? And they'd be on a lead. Is this the idea that you'd have the person's on a lead walking the dog around, walking, walking his blind dogs around? I just think having them on the lead's enough. I don't think you need to lead them. You just let them go and steer them. <laughs> left, left, right. Yeah, they can yeah. hear. Go. They can hear you, God. Um, <laughs> Liam Burton, snog, marry, avoid, engage in sexual contact, any players? Well, you need to give... He just give us names, doesn't he? Snog. Yeah, that's not really... It doesn't really work, Liam. Um, Adam Holstock, how do you feel about putting pineapple on pizza, Mark Flanagan? Hate it. Why? Nah. Don't like a Hawaiian? Yeah. I don't like mixing sweet and savoury all that much. I do. A bit of fruit in I've, I've got autism, I've not saw this. I start twitching if it's... And I fold and iron my bed sheets and have sex missionary thrice weekly. Um, I don't know. Controversial one. Going to ask it anyway. Uh, from Tom Willow. Flash and John as drug-tested athletes. If you could borrow anyone's urine for the day, whose would it be? What do you mean? To borrow anyone who's definitely clean? Whose wouldn't I borrow? That's a more interesting <laughs> that question. That is a more The question is, who's, Ooh, if you whose had... Whose urine wouldn't you borrow? Head, who's, like, just take them out. Which ones wouldn't you... Which, you oh, why would that be a gun to your head question? Well, no, it's saying you've got to pick a dirty sample. Mm, that's Who a slogan for a T-shirt. Dirty whose urine sample. wouldn't you choose? Yeah. Um, mm. Any answers? We're going to leave that one there. No, I don't think we Probably can. Probably leave that there. Le- legal yeah. reasons. <laughs> Everything else is fine, but uh, we can't go to that one. Um, for £50,000, says Leonard Death, that's his real name, would Wilco go on reality television to show where he, Willie Mason, Ryan Bailey and Gareth Hock go on a Partridge-esque canal boat holiday? I don't think they'd go on a canal boat holiday. But if they would, would I go on a canal boat holiday? So would, would you go on a reality Mason? TV show where Willie what Mason, Ryan Bailey, and Gareth Hock go on a partridge canal boat holiday? Will you talk to, to Willie Mason, Ryan no, Bailey, or Gareth Hock? Don't know. <laughs> I, I, I would not. If I you wouldn't. had to room with one of them, who would you room with? Willie Mason. We're talking about they wouldn't do it. <laughs> but there's just. There's two two bunk beds, two sets of bunk beds You're talking in two different rooms. Fictional situation yeah. here that's not happening. Well, well, we've be, we've never be done this show. before on the podcast. ITV don't might we? be listening. Fictional situations. Ooh, you're going to get paid fifty grand to go on a canal. Five hundred thousand pounds. Five hundred thousand. Fifty before. Sorry, five hundred thousand. Oh, fucking yes, I'd do it. <laughs> Who would you room with? <laughs> I'd not bothered. Who would you room? I'd sleep with him. You'd sixty-nine a dog. Yeah, yeah. At sixty-nine. Now, probably. So Gazhock. 50, not enough, but 500, fine. Gazok. There's room with Gazok. Gazok, 500,000. Let's make it happen, ITV. Come on, people. Uh, James Warner, Craig David or Daniel Craig? Craig David. Craig David, seven days. Or oh, Daniel Craig. Daniel Craig. Craig David. Dem- Daniel Craig, James Bond. Daniel Craig. Without like, doubt. In yeah. a Tom Ford, like, snappy, brown, crushed velvet Tom Ford suit. And would you steal his wardrobe? Duffing my cap to impressive females as they walk past. <laughs> Ooh. Um, what, what about that one there, Daniel? Yeah. Oh, Let's sandwich in a serious right. rugby league question just in the middle for the sake of it. Simon Parker, to. what do you think of the obstruction rule and the current 
interpretation. Confusing to fans at games when tries are overruled for reasons which are unclear. Do the players actually understand what the rules are? I understand it. Referees are overzealous with um, penalising obstruction. A lot of times it's a a defensive player making a bad read and um, they dive or they just can't get to a player. The problem is now... The referee saves a day. It's in the player's hands. So a player can make a lazy decision or he can actually initiate a situation where he's contacted and a trial be chalked off. The biggest problem I've got with it is we only use it on TV games. So tries that are given one week are not given the other week. So it's completely... It, it's it the same as goal line technology in, in football, isn't it? It is, but these, I'd say, um, I'd say it's more common. Yeah, you can't you can't play up to goal line technology in football, but you no. can. In rugby. But every Although you're player. saying to try in the first half against disallowed try in the first half against Wigan, yeah, I thought that was a stone yeah. cold try. That was a yeah. poor decision. The benefit of the doubt should go to the attacking team. Yeah, it should. Yeah. Um, South of the River, who I remember tweeted in last week, uh, says Mark and John are invited on Bullseye. There are four teams. First prize, the magic ability to restore world peace forever. That's Second good. Prize, good prize, a speedboat. Third, a £10 eBay voucher only accessible via PayPal. But if you come last, you're both publicly castrated by a rabid badger. Would you go on? No. Yeah. World peace. If everybody was peaceful, it wouldn't, it doesn't work. The world would you just might win implode. A I don't want a speedboat. So were you saying either a, a, test, a, a badger eats <laughs> That's my testicles? That's the quote of the whole podcast. I don't want a speedboat. I don't want a speedboat. <laughs> it's like, the yeah. What? One bullseye, how ironic, is somebody who lives in Solihull's just won a speedboat. <laughs> that should be a gift. They never use it. <laughs> like John Wilkins first saying, I don't I want, want a speedboat. Another As t-shirt. to quote a friend of my life, the best and worst day of your life when you buy a boat. Yeah, but you, you're that? not buying it, you're giving it. Who's yeah, your but, rich friend but who I said am that? buying it with the risk of my Who's your rich friend being who said that? by a badger. Brothers. Nick Bianchi. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's daddy. Daddy's it's, yeah, I didn't realise you hated speedboats. I'd so. do it. No, I don't I hate do. speedboats. I'd do it. I, but you don't want one. I don't want, I want world, world peace. World peace doesn't exist. That's what it I want. never exist. And if I'd it do did, it. everyone would just lose their minds. What a boring place the world would be if it was all so peaceful. I'd do it. Yeah. Um, would, the children. would you rather make love to Jar Jar Binks or Jabba the Hutt says public piss dungeon um, what's <laughs> Jar Jar? are they Star Wars dungeon? and Star Trek <laughs> characters <laughs> we need to by the yeah, way Jar Jar we need Jar to meet these Jabba people the somebody on we, this, we, this podcast saying he's called public, public piss, piss dungeon, dungeon. Um, we've got to click on public piss dungeon there uh, will I change my name every, every week keep up lad um oh. Wigan pub- fun. Public Piss Dungeon. We need we need to do a live night and get Public Piss Dungeon, Captain Jibbers, in St. Latin. We need to get died, these people down he's here. Dead. Uh, yeah, Jibbers, is, he's not been around, has he, much? Genghis Campbell. Genghis Campbell. Steve Wood, 3071656. Yeah. Uh, be great to meet all these guys. He's tweeting, don't worry, we'll get to him in a minute. Matt says, I was pleased to turn on the radio on Sunday uh, to hear Will Perry on Five Live doing bits at the Burnley Manchester United game. I was, though, disappointed with his absolute professionalism. The question is. Has the mask ever almost slipped and you've accidentally called Robbie Savage a shithouse? Well, the mask has fallen truly slipped for the last 30 weeks on this podcast. Mm. But what's so it? astonishing is that no one, it's almost like no one at the BBC knows this is happening. So, yeah, well, mm, yeah, I think they you do. say that, I think so, they do. So it's kind of like, it's basically schizophrenia, isn't it? I've grown up, uh, we, you know, we talk about personalities not being allowed to come out, not being allowed to come out. I think it comes BBC. out off air at the BBC, doesn't it? But not on it. So it's it's, well, it's schizophrenia, isn't it? Your colleagues would know what you like mm. off air. Like Christmas do's and stuff when you <laughs> got wandering hands. Oh, 
That's Mark. Take that back. I'll take that back as a joke. Why? Because uh, it's not <laughs> true. It's slumber. It's not true. And it's to- topical and people, topical heads have fallen. Heads have fallen. Heads have rolled. Um, heads have fallen? But yeah, Robbie Savage is rolled. a shit house. Uh, Lawrence. Well, no, he's not. He's uh, not. Would Lawrence, what do you think of his podcast with Flintoff and uh, Matthew Said? John's a big fan. I think he's good, yeah. yeah. Like is he better than the Bubbits and Flat Caps? Yes. No. It's more interesting people. <laughs> Are they? Yes. Uh, then who, me or what? More successful. More yeah, successful, more for sure, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. interesting. Yeah, I'm pretty boring, aren't I? No, I'd rather have a drink with. Uh, Lawrence says, would you rather have doors for windows or windows for doors? Windows for doors. Windows. Doors for windows. Doors for How window. do you get in? Through the doors. <laughs> but they'd be windows. No, doors for windows. They're all doors. You don't have any windows. You just have doors. You'd only use the ones. You just keep the top, top of your house. What's the difference between a window and a door? Uh, one is... Full human length from floor. I would well, say. I've got a big window there. You can get in through yeah, that. Yeah, but that's a door. You believe in darkness during door. winter? It could be too cold to have the doors open. I think it doesn't matter really. Good question, though, isn't it? It's not. Mm. No, no <laughs> it really isn't. It's awful. Um, another rugby league one. Matty K. Who would you choose as your final three for the Man of Steel award? Mark Flanagan. Go. Uh, ben Barber. Um, ben Barber and Ben Barber. Um, Danny Richardson. No. I've got to think about that one. Hmm. It's a tough one, isn't it, this year? Yeah, well, Ben Barber's probably number one. James Roby, I'd put up there as well. I play with them. Um, you've, you've just got a feeling maybe one of the, the Wigan boys. Mike or, Cooper's had a good season for Warrington. Mm, yeah, mm. don't know. Bateman. Bateman, Bateman, Bateman yeah. John Bateman, there you go. Roby, well Bateman, done. Barber. Well done, well done, Will Perry. Right. Thanks very much. Nothing don't know anything about rugby league, apparently. So, yeah. that's alright Liam Doyle do all three of you see your long term futures in the media or would coaching appeal to John and Mark or Will <laughs> he's being oh, sarcastic well. yeah I think he is go on would you be coaching uh, I don't think I'd be a coach would I do, am I good enough to do media John is I'd maybe give it a go if someone would pay me because I'm not getting paid for this Mm. If anyone wants to pay us, just get in touch at Whippets R. Uh, to pay us. Sean Dennison says, uh, "Who would win in a fight between Robert McCall in brackets the Equaliser, John Wick, or Jack Reacher, and why?" Don't know. Yeah, don't know anything about. I don't know any of those, those characters. Is I know. Jo- I know the the Equaliser with uh, Morgan Freeman. I go with him. I, th- I thought it was I Denzel know. Washington. Gosh. Yeah, it is Denzel. It's Denzel. <laughs> oh, 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 sorry. He's got um, grey hair in it. He'd, he'd look, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm going to stop digging my hole. Denzel's cooler than Morgan, isn't he? Yeah. <laughs> Next, but, um, yeah, so I, I don't know anything about any of those guys either. You watched Jack Reacher. You were telling me. Mark, no, I don't. don't no? Never someone else, someone else. Um, Ian Farugia, I think is how you say his surname. How much would, would a, could you, uh, sorry, could a woodchuck chuck if a woodchuck chuck chuck would? Lots. Lots. Sorry about that. Should he was trying to trip you up with a wordy. Uh... He's a professional. Ooh. Uh, Matt says, who's the only 16 stone man to ride a derby winner? Don't know. Lester uh, Piggott's cellmate. Lester uh, Piggott's cellmate. Is Lester, he in prison? He was in prison years ago, wasn't he, for tax evasion. There's a, there's a portrait over my bath. Have you seen that, John? Yeah, Lester no, Piggott. Seen the Lester Piggott. Is it an original? Yeah. Um, not the Larry, Mark, the Lester Piggott. Uh, okay, here we go. Uh, with Dan Gordon. 
has John considered going back to his roots by making a farming-themed TV show called Milkin' with Wilkin? Oh, I like that. <laughs> oh, stop it. You didn't do any Stop it, Dan Gordon. Did you? Yeah, we've there got... There we go. Forget no, the canal I, boat with Willie Mason. The, yeah, the older I get, the more attractive a life on a farm sounds like. And um, there's... Um, Lots to be said for a simple life, I think. We've not had any stories from the farm this week. One from the farm. <laughs> Mark, what? One so from what? The farm. <laughs> I'm not going to shush, Mark. Mark just started masturbating. No, no, I didn't. No. I don't think he did. No, he I actually, don't think he did. Did he? It's not Donnie Darker. He actually he started actually masturbating. I thought I could during that question. It was like a Mark, you swear on your mother's life you didn't start I swear masturbating. Your mother's life I didn't start masturbating. Why Story would you? Why would you just farm. drag the podcast down? <laughs> you just. You, have you just sworn on your mother's life you didn't start masturbating? Will, shut the fuck up, you do me, Adam. <laughs> like, wh- why? Was. Well, if you're going to start masturbating while I'm asking questions, I'm going to, have to, I'm going to bring it up. Oh, I didn't start. Fucking hell. What were you doing? <laughs> he, was just, he was just waving his the foreskin backwards and forwards. <laughs> in a thrusting fashion. I might have flashed my uh, meat and two veg at you, but what certainly it wasn't, wasn't anything more than that. <laughs> you just because do John's been doing the same for the last 20 minutes. Do you masturbate like that, Will? Um, I, I think know. we need to talk. Yeah. Mm. Um, okay, we've got a few more here. Uh, da, 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 da. Uh, Frank Franklin. Has anybody ever interrupted? <laughs> Frank, Frank, Franklin squared. <laughs> Has anybody ever interrupted a coach's team talk with a fart? No! <laughs> with a fart during your career. Flash yeah, D. Shane Warne. Sean Wayne. Shane, Shane Warne, the guy off the X Factor. You can imagine him interrupting your team. Shane Warne was a cricketer. Shane Warne. Shane Warne. Shane Warne. Sorry, Shane Ward, anyway, Sean team. Wayne looks like he'd trump during team talks. Can you confirm? No. Carl Harrison, when I was playing for England, answered his phone. He was in the middle of like a rousing. already. He was, he was like, right, like, we're going to rip their heads off. You know, he had stuck into them. And then his phone rang and he was like, Sorry, love. I say I'll call. I'll call you back in five minutes. It was, ge- it was genius. Another one is our doctor. For those who don't know, St. Helens team doctor is massive. He's a huge human. He's like six four, but he's wide. He's built like a bodybuilder. We're in the middle of a team meeting the other day, dead serious. And he, and have you ever seen Monsters Inc. where the big mon- the no. Sully, the monster, like goes into the bedroom? Well, he interrupted the team meeting and dead gently opened the door. Like, had to stoop down to come through and then went back. It was honestly He's <laughs> a big, big man. But he just interrupted a very serious moment. It was class. Stephen Langdon, would you rather orgasm every time you sneeze or sneeze every time that you orgasm? Live in New Zealand, so don't worry about the Sunday lunch, guys. Just a shout-out will do me. Oh, shout-out. <laughs> the sneezy orgasm. <laughs> Easy I love it how Stephen already thought he'd won the won the prize there, but you know, don't, don't worry about the lunch, guys. I'm in, I'm yeah. in New Zealand, but just a shout out. So shout out to Stephen Langdon. But would you just think about that? You know, every yes. time it would be quite embarrassing if you were to sneeze and orgasm. But equally, you know, if you if you orgasm and sneezed all the time, you that just wouldn't. wear uh, paper pants, wouldn't you? And essentially, you want to keep the orgasms there. Mm-hmm. Don't no, you? you just wear paper pants and sneeze away. Happy sneezing, but if everyone and knew this, sniffing pepper all the time, is this the same for everybody in the world? Because <laughs> oh. imagine just being on the train sat next to a man who sneezes and just. <laughs> oh, I get really bad hay fever, oh. so that could be summer could be really good. Mm. There'd be no antihistamines being sold that Oof. season, would there? Oh, no. You wouldn't be getting them injections, would you? Will no stop your hay fever. Pit about those. Um, Josh Glover, Will, the world goes tits up. Zombies have taken over Manchester. That's, which is a great image in itself. Well, you live in Salford, so you, you'd be all right. Only just um, across the river. Luckily, you have a safe room in your posh flat. Only has room for two people, though. Who do you save, John or Mark, and a zombie emoji? Well, Josh Glover, I'd probably toss a coin and then choose John. 
Steve Wood's back, guys. Well, Steve dude. Wood is back. Uh, Steve, W-O-3-1-5-7-0-6-5-3-8. Two messages from Steve Wood. Oh, one quite emotional one, actually. Beautiful tweet about Rachel Bland, by the way. Uh, it was very moving. Such an inspirational woman. Rachel Bland. Uh, do you, do you tweet this? I tweeted. So Rachel Bland, who I've worked with for 12 years, yeah. died today. Oh, fuck. 40 years old. She had uh, breast cancer uh, for two years. And I just thought this was a game. This was this is a change of tone, but I'm going to mention it. So mm. she uh, was a newsreader on Five Live. And she, um, you know, great looking girl, good job. Just got married to a guy from work, had a kid. Bought a golden retriever, lived in Oldley Edge on the outside, like the perfect life. Mm-hmm. Diagnosed with breast cancer, and then she tweeted. Um, so I'd, I'd been speaking to a lot because she's just the most unlucky woman you could ever come across in terms yeah. of that that stuff. All great, but everything through her breast cancer went tits up. She went down one alleyway. This way, the treatment didn't work. Some, something else didn't work. The drugs didn't work. Everything didn't work for her. And she tweeted. Um, I'll read it to you. She tweeted the other day. This was literally two days ago. Didn't she document the last few months? Yeah, she did a on, podcast. Yeah, called talking uh, about the cancer, exactly, and a treatment, and how she'd been battling and struggling with it, and had good days and bad days. Yeah, the po- that's so brave of someone to do yeah. that to document such a such a struggle. She, it was called "You, Me, and the Big C," the podcast. That was it, yeah. yeah, and she did it with two other oh, girls yeah. who had tra- know, who had yeah. uh, cancer, and it's number one as we speak now in the podcast charts, which oh, is astonishing because so many people. She, her story was. Just exactly, it's so taboo, isn't it, to talk about um, having cancer. So um, I, said, I only spoke to her. This is what's so surreal. Two days ago, um, and she wa- she wanted to write a book for her son because her son's only two and a half, called Freddie. Yeah. So she wanted, knowing that her time was definitely limited, and she was told the end is soon. Um, she wanted to write this book so that he had a memory of her. And I was in, obviously having lost my dad cancer at a young age. I was like, you've got to do this because like what? You know, I've got a letter that my dad wrote me. Um, before he died and like something like that is something you treasure for years to come and he's only two and a half so he's not going to remember um so all of these things in this podcast is great and i was you know i was saying like get that fucking book finished before you pop your clocks you know and she she's done it um she's got this book ready for him here but she this to me is groundbreaking she tweeted the other day and said um here we go she tweeted, uh, in the words of the legendary Frank, Skin- uh, Frank Skinner, Frank Sinatra, I'm afraid the time has come, my friends, and suddenly I've told I've only got days. Very surreal. Thanks so much for all the support I've received. Debs and Loz of the other girls who do the podcast will continue with you, me, and the Big C. Au revoir, my friends. Yeah, I saw that. And you just think, that was a day, that was a day and a half ago, and she died this morning. Well, doesn't that draw into, like, sharp focus, like life? is like such it's a finite thing isn't it we're all we are all going to die you do you spend all your life planning and plotting and scheming and you know coming up with these convoluted plans for your future and stuff and you just never know when it's going to be taken from Mm -hmm. you so you spend all your life planning and worrying and really it's just a lesson to enjoy isn't it just enjoy what you do Mm -hmm. enjoy it while you're here Mm. she sounded like she's so impressive that she can she can tackle something like that head on and document it and probably inspire other people mm. when a lot I'd be so probably scared and shitting myself 
but for her to, that's very brave, isn't it? This is the thing I had the conversations with her face to face, where she was just like the, you know, I, I know the end's here, and she could almost just take the piss out of how unlucky she'd been with it, and knew yeah. that that it was coming, and sort of it must be such a surreal, as she, as she said, surreal that she knows she has days, and she know like what it's like almost it's that it's that horrible scenario that we all imagine as kids, like if you had days to live, what would you do? And so that was her scenario in terms of getting this book done, and then just and she died at home. Well, know. she sounded like she pretty much you know she had a husband. A, a child a dog the life she wanted oh yeah and there's something to be said not that I've got any context to draw upon here but for you know going in you know when you're I suppose not like in you in the years where you're at your best you know what I mean there's a famous like, Dr Seuss quote that is um, don't be sad it's over be happy that it happened yeah mm. And it's there's it's two ways. It's glass half empty, glass half full, isn't it? But yeah, sometimes you've got to be thankful for what you've had. Well, mega inspiring stuff like that, isn't it? And one, my little quote is, it's not the moments, it's not the amount of moments. Sorry, I should know my question, am I? If it's yeah. my quote. Maybe tattoo it. <laughs> start again. It's the moments. <laughs> yeah. It's not the amount of breaths that you take. It's the amount of moments that take your breath away. Yeah. Which is true. But we can't end on a sour note no, because no. Rachel wouldn't want us to. Uh, and uh, therefore, Steve Wood's next question is thoughts on the Roxanne Pallet Big Brother situation? <laughs> oh, she's ooh, oh. very nice. John, are you aware of well, the story? Yes, I am. Look, I, I was made aware of it by teammates in the dressing room. I subsequently did a lot of digging and, and on my phone whilst um, taking a morning bowel movement. Mm. Um, read through watched a few clips she'd obviously been interviewed afterwards mm -hmm. and watched it all unfold I think there's a few things is what a disservice she's done to women who mm -hmm. do get abused yeah I agree what a sham what a horrendous thing to do yeah to women who are a victim of domestic violence like well, it cannot chance. be undone the damage she's done to that cause because it's such a serious thing and people who suffer from it will understand that they'd been discredited by this woman's actions mm -hmm. because everyone, you know, whether you like this woman or not, whether you've got past sort of dealings with her as I know, you know, a lot of people wanted to come out and say how they could have seen this happening. I just thought, forget that, forget about, you know, that she's a liar and a manipulator of people and that. I thought, well, it's what she's done to women who are currently suffering domestic abuse and we're on the verge of coming out with it on that day. Mm. And I thought, how now? Mm. How do you do that? How It must make them feel more nervous about doing it. And yeah, it was a shambles, wasn't it? And I think if that stuff isn't caught on camera, it goes through, doesn't it? Like Ryan, Ryan Thomas is in prison. He was saved the by the fact it was on camera. If he wasn't, yeah. Like, yeah. He, would have been, he would have been the one that's hated by the country. Yeah. And well, yeah. Which is this is the power that evil, accusations that, like that can have. Yeah. Either way, yeah, it was awful. Uh, but then John, second chance because look, she could be there now, very yeah, vulnerable. She could be thinking all sorts of things. I don't think she be, she. Well, we should publicly hang her on quarter. She's at, like, look at it. She's clearly got issues. Mm. If you see her get interviewed, she's mm. unstable. Like, she shouldn't be going into the Big Brother house. It's actually manipulative from the Big Brother house putting somebody like that in. Mm. I think. Evil, they, they, they like putting unstable evil. people in, don't they? Is it that Gary Busey was in there? Yeah, they, they like unstable characters, mm -hmm. and and you can't be surprised when it blows up. Uh, and in to finish this week, then episode thirty, uh, Dan Heyman says, "Would you rather danger bum 
uh, Anthony Joshua while he sleeps, knowing that if you wake him, uh, you're in for a pasting, or if you don't, you've bunned a man, or be forced to just do one round with him in the ring, but your hands are tied behind your back and you can't run. Yeah, I'd do one round with him, 100%. With your hands tied behind I'd go your back. one yeah. round with him in bed. Because he'd knock me out in one punch. <laughs> he'd knock you out in bed as well. Yeah, to be fair, if there's a referee, the referee will, will step in after that. No, you just punch. get knocked out. I'd stick my chin right out. Like young Ooh, kids seeing you, you when kids seeing you knock me out. And I go, oh, you know, say something witty and sort of try and, be, try and belittle a big man. And then he'd knock me out. Yeah. And, then, and then everyone would be like, oh, you got what oh, you deserve, that Wilk. You know, he's complaining to the referee. You're used, you used to that, aren't you? Hate him. Yeah, get him I like out. that question. I think yeah. that could be a winner. Would you sleep with him, Mark, or get, or get knocked out? He's a handsome beast, isn't he? He is a handsome Very guy, isn't he? Ripped up. <sighs> no, yeah. Yeah, I'd sleep with him too. Yeah, would you? Um, what's going in the Simbin this week? Whippers and Flat Cap Simbin, episode 30, John Wilkin. The 2025 World Cup Rugby League, where oh. we've committed to a rugby league in Northern America and Canada. And then man who's funding it all's pulled eight. Mm. So we can't do it anymore. Mr. Jason Moore. Well, he haven't paid anyone from the test match. And as a, as a rule, that look. It's not a good start. It's not a good start, match, is, it? is it? Paid mm. the players, didn't he? But just mm. not the others. Yeah. Well, it's not a good start, is it? Mm. And, and as we pointed out before we came on tonight, I think a few of other big franchise businesses have gone bust snow sports it's a big so franchise. anyway just that that's going in for me loyalty in rugby league oh, the perception of loyalty perception of loyalty Some perception of loyalty yeah. will anything in this in bin no it's not my bin but um I'll put you we're, we're back on track aren't we us three we are aren't we we're friends again yeah um, and just, just for the viewers out oh. there um, my oh. wife and I were supposed to go watch the Arctic Monkeys tomorrow night yeah. um, and I've offered oh. Will uh, my wife's ticket because she's not all that keen just as a at 70, pound, olive, 70 pounds so that's what it cost me yeah. an olive branch so I'm, I'm glad he's taking it and yeah we're all back on track so yeah, we're good. looking forward to that but you did pick John over me no I'm just kidding yeah, you tossed a coin yeah tossed a coin can, John's came up do the Pinocchio on us hopefully uh, I'm not going to be sick in a bush uh, or on myself this week at the Arctic Monkeys and uh, we'll see you all again next week bye bye